0: Hello everybody, it's Allison McGee, your host. I'm coming to you from the kitchen island. Yep, it's a whole new location. I'm here because it is a very hot day and the kitchen is cooler than the rest of the house right now. Plus it smells very subtly like bread because I just finished kneading some bread dough and now it's resting and rising. If you're going to knead bread, here's my hot tip for you. I suggest oiling your hands instead of using flour. It's so much less messy, and the doe likes it. You can tell, I promise. It kind of stretches out under your hands the way my dog does when he rolls over onto his back and presents his belly to be rubbed. A couple of months ago, I was checking one of my many poetry sites. This is the first thing I do every morning. I sit with this one perfect mug mug of coffee, and I read poems. And I came across a post by Robert Okaji. He goes by Bob, but I think of him as Robert, because that's what's on his website. He's a poet I follow, and over the years, reading his poems and looking at the beautiful photos he posts along with them, I've come to feel as if I know him a little bit. I don't, of course, but that's the power of both art, poetry, and photos, and this weird internet world we all live in. On this particular morning, Robert posted not a poem, but a little essay, recalling the twists and turns that somehow, surprisingly, led him to poetry and a life spent observing the world and writing poems about what he sees in that world. I love that little essay. instantly brought me back to the fall of my first year in college and the twist that led me to major in Chinese. My college was famous for its language classes and I was good at languages so I signed up for Russian the summer before school began. It was the most unusual, for lack of a better word, language offered there and I thought it would be cool to study Russian. How often would I have a chance in my life to study Russian? And then The college sent out a letter stating that Chinese was now going to be offered, beginning that fall. Chinese, I thought. Well, that outdid Russian in its unusualness to me. So I signed up. Chinese 1, Chinese 101, met every morning from 8 to 9, and again every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon from 2 to 3.30. This was more than a pre-med science class, but I didn't think in those terms back then. I didn't understand the world in terms of credit hours and time spent and required labs. I just wanted to take Chinese. That very first morning, 8 a.m. on a Monday, in Chinese 101, (laughs) there were 16 in the class, mostly first-year students like me. We sat quietly around a long, rectangular table in a first-floor classroom. I remember it as being below ground, almost like a kind of dungeon, but maybe that memory is false. We sat quietly, sort of looking down at the table. It was 8 a.m. on a Monday, and then the door opened, and a tall man with a big nose strode in, barking an incomprehensible stream of mandarin at us, pointing around the table, frowning, smiling, babbling, these wild words that made no sense whatsoever. We all sat frozen in our chairs. What had we gotten ourselves into? The next morning, Tuesday, remember, Chinese met every morning from 8 to 9, and every Tuesday and Thursday. Next morning, Tuesday at 8 a.m., There were eight students left. Half the class had already resigned, (laughs) which is testament to the power of the man that we knew as Bailausher. Because his pronunciation was perfect, mine is good. Because his command of characters was incredible, mine at one time wasn't too bad. Because he expected us to, I spent half my junior year living in Taiwan. Bai Laoshi was a teacher. He taught a language from a country and a continent where teaching is the most revered of professions, and he lived up to that standard. His kind of teaching, to me, can be boiled down to one pivotal moment. It was November, a little over two months into my study of Chinese. The remaining few of us (laughs) in Chinese 101, had made massive progress, probably because, you know, Monday through Friday, eight to nine, Tuesday and Thursday, all afternoon, (laughs) we were now reading a novel. Yes, it was incredibly simplified, but it was still a novel. We were going around the table, according to the pointing finger of the hook-nosed bylaoshu, taking turns reading out loud and then insta-translating my turn was coming and i was scared in memory i was pretty much always scared in chinese class i wanted so badly to do right to pronounce with the correct tones to master those characters to see that smile spread across by lawshire's face my Jun. there it was that was me my name in mandarin it still is as a matter of fact my second name one i answer to instinctively It's been my name for most of my life now. I was barely 18 when it was given to me. Translate the next paragraph, please. (sighs) That was said in Chinese. I knew what that meant because he was always telling us things like that. I stared down at those black characters on that white page, thinking how hard Chinese was. They were talking about a boat on that page. There was something about air, something about a boat, something about water. Water, and then I can still remember this there was a rush inside my body that made me lightheaded and filled me with power the wind is blowing that way so the boat should be able to go by itself in the water out it came I knew I was right I didn't have to think it through laboriously translate each and every word try to remember the confusing and unfamiliar grammar of Chinese it just came out Some kind of intuitive leap had happened, and I looked straight up at my teacher, and there he was, his eyes burning. It was that spark of connection between teacher and student, the unmistakable jolt, when the teacher has held his arms out and taught with all his power to the very ends of his fingertips, and the student has bent over those books every night and gone to class every morning, cramming a whole new world into her hurting brain. And there it was at last, the leap, the electric jolt. I had in that one moment vaulted to a new level of learning. And both Bai and I knew it. Oh, that was so long ago. I haven't done anything with the Chinese I learned in college. Can you see the air quotes around the words, done anything? But it's been an underground stream that flows through me and through my life. When I make dumplings every year on Chinese New Year, I'm transported back to the dumpling parties Bai Laoshu and his wife Alice gave every year. When a security question on a computer asks for the name of an influential teacher, it's his name I write down. His is the face that comes to mind when I think of the word teacher. His is the voice that still echoes in my ears. 跟我说. Say it with me when I carry on a silent conversation with myself in Chinese, when I doodle my way through a meeting or at church, filling the page with a few Chinese characters I still remember, or just writing out the numbers from one to a hundred, over and over, it's because of the peace that that motion brings me. I never would have known that peace had I not taken that turn in life. Instead of a poem today, we have the great pleasure of Robert Okaji reading that beautiful tiny essay, 35 years ago, I Raise My Hand for the podcast.
1: In the poetry writing course, thinking it might help improve my short fiction. I was a history major by default, had never taken a course in poetry, but believed, with absolutely no evidence, that I could write fiction. At the time, I would have been hard pressed to name five contemporary poets, even counting my professor. To be honest, the class struggled to hold my attention. Only about a quarter of the students seemed interested in writing, and the instructor was a bit, uh, tired. But for the first time in my life, I read, really read, poetry. I fell in love with Galway Cannell, I, James Wright, and Carolyn Fourchet, to name just a few of my early enthusiasms. I wanted to write like them, So I wrote, and wrote, and wrote. Most of it was laughably bad, but somehow I managed to win an undergraduate poetry contest, which suggested that hope existed. Maybe someday, I thought, one of my poems will be published. This radical idea had never occurred to me before. Publication seemed to be the privilege of special people, and a lifetime of gathered fact revealed that I was unequivocally nothing special. Early on in the semester, perhaps even in the first class, the professor asked how many of us thought we'd still be writing poetry in 20 years. I didn't raise my hand. I didn't know where I'd be in six months, much less what I'd be doing in twenty years. Since I'd realized late in the game that teaching was not for me, I had no job prospects and few marketable skills, despite experience in chugging beer, manning sound-powered phones on a ship's helicopter tower, scraping barnacles, and bending rules. Another great day.
0: for today's episode. Friends, thank you for listening. If you liked it, please spread the word by sending the link to someone else who might, and give us a good rating if you're so inclined. Original theme music for our show is by Dylan Parisi. Additional music by Kelly Krebs. Today's poetic essay by poet Robert Okaji was used with his kind permission and was read by the poet himself. Words by Winter is created and hosted by me, writer Allison McGee. Tell me what you're going through. I'll go in search of a poem to help you through, to help us all through, the way poems have been helping me since I was a little girl. You can send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com or just drop me a line at the same address, which again is wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com. For more info about me or my books, go to allisonmcgee.com. Words by Winter. Conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life. Because it's rough out there, we gotta help each other through.